going home Getting tired of running round I've cried too many tears Wasted precious years Searching for a dream I never found Listen, good earth God. Open up your heart to me Before my life is through I got some things to do Wanna spend some time Just being free I've seen you here before Standing just inside the door Cause you'd never want to take up any room And everybody's slow dancing in the hall But you just hold tight to the wall Cause a little pleasure That would be too much to presume Yes, and that's the way it's been But you'd love to join on in You'd join in, but you just don't think you should Well, now come on along with me Let me help you see That, baby, it's okay to feel You're the kind to stand in the rain Never tap on a window pane Cause you wouldn't want to trouble one And when 
Did the people online hear me? Start from, okay. All right, well, uh, here we go. Um, good morning. <laughs> and good morning to everyone online. We're so happy you're here. Um, my name is Melissa Afolter, and my pronouns are she and her. I'm a member of your board of trustees, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we in Columbia reside. We are served by Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us all connected. Whoever you are, Wherever you're from, whomever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitor form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person coffee hour, social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. And finally, for those of you attending worship in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. And we have a few announcements today. 
Um, thanks to our wonderful volunteers, today there will be coffee hour after COS, right in the first place. There will be coffee hour after service today in Sanctuary B. It takes many hands to make coffee hour happen. Um, and right now, coffee hour is happening on a Sunday by Sunday basis because we don't have, you know, depending on whether or not we have enough volunteers. Um, there are volunteer roles for all comfort levels. You can brew coffee, donate snacks, set up uh, or clean up, donate or keep our supplies stocked, greet newcomers and introduce them to the congregants, and more. If you would like to help, sign up on the big sheet of paper in Sanctuary B or connect with staff member Hannah Nelson, either online, I don't think she's not here. Um, so you would email her at hannah at uucolumbia.net, H-A-N-N-A-H at uucolumbia.net. And next, today is the second Sunday of the month and we will be holding our monthly Black Lives Matter vigil today from four to five. Please bring your own sign if you have one and join us at the corner of Windstream Drive and Governor Warfield Parkway as we tell the world that all lives will truly matter when Black Lives Matter. And next, families of all shapes and sizes, whether you are newer to UUCC or have been around for years, you are all invited to join us for Family Fun Day happening Saturday, August 27th from 10 to 12 p.m. outside our Owen Brown Interfaith Center. There will be plenty of water games, sidewalk chalk, hula hoops, and tables set up for chatting and catching up on our summer adventures. We also will paint Pride-themed rocks to hand out as gifts at UUCC's booth at this year's Howard County Pride Fest. We hope to see you there. And we have one more announcement from Kelly. Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and I am your religious education assistant. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, just take a moment and comb through your memories and ask yourself a question. How do we learn? How did you learn to read books or tie your shoes or learn about your history? I'm betting as you comb through your memories, there is someone beside you teaching you. Someone who valued you so much that they took the time to pass their knowledge onto you. Each year in our UUCC religious education classes, we count on the adults of our congregation to give their time and pass on their knowledge to our younger congregants. This is the way we show our kids how much we value them. And this is also the way that we ensure that our values as a community continue to thrive into the future. Your Director of Religious Education, Robin Slaw, and I are so excited to welcome everyone back to in-person religious education this year, but we need you. Whatever knowledge you have, I promise you there is a place for you in RE to pass it on. And so if you have any interest at all, even a passing interest that Robin and I might exploit in a conversation, please come find one of us after the service. We'd be more than happy to tell you all about the opportunities. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. It is so wonderful to be here with you all. Whether you are here at the Owen Brown Interface Center or tuning in from online, wherever that might be. My name is Colette Gelwicks. I use she, her pronouns. I am honored to be serving as your worship associate this morning. Our guest speaker today is the Reverend Karen Marsh. She is a new minister. Uh, she's currently a chaplain at Johns Hopkins Hospital. In a previous life, she was an environmental geologist and attorney. Uh, and another interesting tidbit I found out this morning is she's also a pie maker and is even one at the Maryland State Fair. So with all of that background, she's gonna help us explore the topic of pleasure this morning, uh, specifically pleasure as a spiritual practice. So before we get to it though, we've got a few housekeeping notes. A welcome to newcomers. If you're here for the first time or even the second time, uh, please do let us know that you've joined us so that we can help connect you in our community. We have hearing assist devices back at the tech booth for those who are here in person. Uh, we do have order of services available at the back, I believe, a couple of copies. Um, there's also a link in the chat that's going to show up and some QR codes at the back. We will be honoring community members' personal joys and sorrows relatively early in the service, so please make sure that you write yours in the book in the back or email joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. Finally, for those at home, now is a perfect time to get your materials together so that you can fully participate in service. Uh, get a bowl with some stones or marbles, a chalice or candle. And here in the sanctuary, we've also been handing out pieces of candy and feathers for today's service. So if you have something tasty at home that you want to uh, hold on to, don't eat it yet. <laughs> Um, but hold on to for a little bit later and maybe something soft that you want to gather. All right, so taking care of that, now let's sound our bell. I'd like to invite everyone here and at home to settle in comfortably. Take a nice deep breath. And we're gonna hear the ringing of the bell calling us into worship. Our chalice lighting words this morning were written by Reverend Karen, and I'd like to invite Teddy and Emily and Lisa to come up to light the chalice and read those words. Good job. May the flame of this chalice remind us of the spark of life passed down to us by our parents, who in turn received it from their parents. May we remember that our ancestors sacrificed for us that we may live. 
and that enjoying our lives is a form of gratitude. May we carry that flame with pleasure to the end of our days and pass it on to the next generation. Thank you, thank you so much. All right, and now I'd like to invite everyone to stand for our opening hymn as you're willing and able. Following the hymn, please stay standing uh, as we speak our congregational covenant. Now, please join me in speaking our congregational covenant. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now, before you sit, we're going to take a brief moment to greet each other. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. A lot of people here. Hello, hey. Amy. What are you doing? Hi, Anna. Hi. Hi. Okay. Oh, there we go. Hello, Flo. Hello. Good morning. Hi, John. Hello. Morning, John. Good morning. Hi, Flo. Hi. Hi there, Inga. Good. Hi, Margaret. Wow. Hello, Hi, Margaret. Hi, Katja. <laughs> Hi, John hi, John. and Kathy. Hi, Anne. Oh, hi. Hi, John, <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> hi, Inga. <laughs> hi, hi, Aileen. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, John. Hello, Flo. Hello, John. Hello, Flo. <laughs> hi. Hello. Oh. 
The practice of sharing our joys and sorrows is a custom in our congregation, where one can publicly and openly share a significant, meaningful event that has deeply touched their life. As I read the joys and sorrows, we will listen deeply and lovingly. We are made mindful of the sacredness of the ritual when we cast a stone in the bowl of communal water. The ripples it forms symbolize how our lives touch one another. During the music meditation that follows, those of you who are in the sanctuary are welcome to come and drop a stone silently for all those joys and sorrows that are too tender to share. Do you want to go down? And, Karen, would you mind dropping the stones? Thank you. I believe that is all we've got this morning. Okay, so then one final stone for all that is unsaid and felt in our hearts. Hello, family. I'd just like to say a little meditation, prayer, and reflection on the stones. I invoke the spirit of life, that which flows through all of us and creates this community together and remind us all that we are connected to each other. We are part of one planet, one organism. I pray that the spirit of healing will flow through all of those whose stones we've dropped today and to all of those who have not shared any joys and sorrows right now, but are carrying them still. May we all find through this experience a joy at being alive. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be.
Good morning. My name is Robin Slaw. I'm your director of religious education, and I would like to invite any children or people young of heart to come on down to the front, bring your piece of candy with you, but I have more here in case you don't have it with you. And while they're making their way down, I wanted to pull a memory out from my childhood, and perhaps some of you have had a similar memory. I lived in the country growing up, and my township only had one ice cream place, and it was an, a soft serve place, and it was only open summer months. Yeah, it wasn't open all year, so no soft serve ice cream in the winter. But you can sit down if you guys want to be comfortable, but you can stay standing too. So the anticipation, can you imagine, those of you who have ice cream year-round now, can you imagine how anxiously we waited for that first summer day when the ice cream shop opened? Uh, right. Well, no, we had, we had hard ice cream at home, but no soft serve. You know, soft serve, this twirly stuff in a cone that's soft. Yeah, the, good stuff. the good stuff. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. So think about the anticipation. Think about the mindfulness of getting that cone. My favorite was a vanilla and chocolate twist, chocolate dipped. Do y'all know what chocolate dip is? You dip it in and it makes a hard crust. And then imagine that first taste. It just took over my complete attention, right? I thought about nothing else, just anticipating the crunch of that chocolate as I took my first bite in and the cold ice cream melting on my tongue and tasting the vanilla and the chocolate. Ah, oh, what an experience that was. So I find often I'm not so mindful about eating, even ice cream anymore. I often eat ice cream while I'm watching television, and so I'm barely paying attention. But sometimes it's good to have a mindful experience. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So don't do anything yet, just listen. So first thing I want you to do is to just hold up your piece of candy. If you don't have it, there's plenty in the back and I have some here. Do you, do you want a piece? You all have your piece? Everybody have your piece? Here. All right, go ahead, take one. Just one. All right, look at it first. Feel the paper, what does it look like? What kind of feelings are coming up for you? What kind of anticipation do you have? Is there writing on the packaging? Is the paper stiff or soft? Listen, does the wrapper make any noise? And you can begin to slowly open it, but slowly, don't put it in your mouth yet, slowly open your piece of candy. What are you anticipating? 
Are you imagining what the taste will be? And as you open it, look at it. Look at your piece of candy. What color is it? Is it smooth? Is it bumpy? Does it have creases in it? What color is it? Now, this next part is going to be a little challenging because we all have masks on, so it may or may not work. But try it. Bring it up as close to your nose as you can get and see if you can smell it. You might not be able to smell through your mask. Some of us can smell through our mask sometimes. If you can't smell it because you have a really good mask on, then just imagine the smell. What must that smell look like? And then when you're ready, hold your breath and pop that candy into your mouth. But don't chew it yet. Just place it in your mouth. Don't chew. Let that candy start to melt in your mouth. What does that taste like? Where do you taste it in your mouth? Do you taste it in the front, at the tip of your tongue, further back in your tongue? Move that candy around in your mouth without chewing it yet. Don't chew yet. Just slide it around in your mouth. And does the taste change as you move it around in your mouth? And then as it melts, how does it feel? What memories does it bring back for you? Can you remember the first time you tasted that piece of candy? That would be challenging for some of us who are a little bit older. Can you remember the last time you had one of those candies that you have in your mouth now? And what memories do those bring up? What's happening to the candy? Is it getting smaller or is it still basically the same size? Is it melting? Has the taste changed at all? Has it gotten stronger? Or is it not as noticeable? And then after you go through all of those feelings, all of those emotions that come up for you, you can maybe start to chew it just a little bit. Do it slowly with intention. Is it gone already? <laughs> so as you maybe chew a little piece off and swallow it, what happens as you swallow? Can you feel it going down? Is there anything left in your mouth still? Oh, I see people shaking their heads now. How do you feel? How do you feel both physically and emotionally? Hungry. Ah, yeah. Okay. So I don't know about you all, but this anticipating this exercise made me remember that it's important to be mindful in our enjoyment of things that go in our mouth. And so I promised myself, at least for a few days, I'm not going to eat lunch in front of my computer anymore, at least for a few days. And I'm going to sit without distraction and just really enjoy the food that I'm going to experience and be mindful about it. So I wonder, what are you going to be mindful about when you eat next? And I wonder what that next experience will be like for you. I wonder if you'll be able to fully engage all your senses, touch, sight, smell, taste, 
and hearing. And I wonder when your next experience without distraction will be. All right. We're going to head downstairs with the children. We're welcoming all children to come down with us. We will be downstairs in room 150 for our summer random acts of kindness. Can you hold on to it till we go down? Please join me in singing our children down the class. An excerpt from Original Blessing by Matthew Fox. If creation is a blessing and a constantly original one, then our proper response would be to enjoy it. Pleasure is one of the deepest spiritual experiences of our lives. Ecstasy is the experience of God. But pleasure does not come easily to a society inundated by consumer consciousness on one hand and original sin mentalities on the other. Pleasure truly pleases and does not merely titillate. Today, the true contemplative will teach us what it means to contemple once again, i.e. to become so thoroughly one with what we love and enjoy that we make a holy tabernacle of the event. The true contemplative will teach us the art of savoring. For creation needs savoring more than it needs inventory making. If we savored more, we would buy less. We would be less compulsive, less unsatisfied. We would also work less and play more. If we savored more, we would communicate more deeply, relate more fully, compete less regularly, and celebrate more authentically. We would be relating more deeply to ourselves, to creation and all its blessedness, to history, past and present, to now and to God. We would be more in touch with our moral outrage because our love of life would increase so dramatically that we would become less and less tolerant of death forces. Thank you, Alan, for stepping in for Katja last minute. You know, when I started developing this service, a colleague at the hospital asked me what I was going to preach on. And I responded, pleasure. Oh, you mean joy? Yes, but also pleasure, as in physical pleasure. You mean sex? <laughs> Well, sex is certainly one form of physical pleasure, but my focus is going to be on the whole body and our interaction with all of creation. And you're going to preach this in a church? <laughs> well, my colleagues seemed a little confused by my idea, but I, I don't blame them. When I began to contemplate pleasure, 
as a spiritual practice, I too immediately thought about sex. It's probably because, like my colleague, I was socialized in this culture to associate pleasure with the big pleasures, as in pleasures that result in intense sensations in our bodies, which sex arguably creates. Yet I knew there was much more to pleasure than the extremes. Well, I thought of the simple pleasures of waking up in the morning after a really good night of sleep. Like last night, I had a great night of sleep. I thought of eating my favorite foods like dark chocolate. Much like what Robin led us through just a few minutes ago, I thought of inhaling the scent of the food before I take a bite and savoring that taste on my tongue. I'm also feeling sated as the food fills my stomach. Now, my colleague's incredulity picked my interest. Why were they so amazed that I would speak about physical pleasure in a Sunday service in a church? Now, it seems that joy is an acceptable topic of discussion in a church, but pleasure, pleasure is not. Why? Now, one could argue that joy and pleasure are the same thing. I, however, perceive a distinction between these two concepts, even though they may be related. Joy is an emotion generated in the brain, whereas pleasure is a direct sensation made possible through the some seven trillion, I think, neurons nerves that extend to every single part of my body and your body and every human body. And it may be that it is that bodily connection to pleasure that's the reason religions minimize or even villainize pleasure. It seems that when religious leaders speak of spirituality, they're referring to something other than the body. This idea is known in philosophy as dualism, which is the belief that there are two kinds of reality, or that reality is made up of two separate things, the material or the physical, like our planet, like your body, and the immaterial, or the spirit, which is the realm of thoughts. Now, dualism in Christianity is present in the concept of original sin. Maybe you've heard of it. Original sin is not mentioned in the Bible. Rather, it's an interpretation of Genesis 3, which tells the story of Adam and Eve. I'm sure you all have heard of that. Now, the bishop Augustine of Hippo, who lived in the fourth century, formulated the concept of original sin as we know it today. Now, pr prior to his conversion to Christianity, Augustine followed the Manichaeans, who held a dualistic view of the world. And they viewed the world as being evil and the spirit, the immaterial, as being good. So to Augustine, original sin was Adam and Eve's failure 
to obey the hierarchical natural order of things because of their desire, or as he called it, concupiscence. Yay, I pronounced it properly. <laughs> More than sexual intercourse, concupiscence has been interpreted to include all desire for pleasures of any kind. Consequently, all pleasures have become guilty pleasures, and they must be suppressed. So, for over 1,600 years, we have political, social, economic, and religious powers attempting to exploit and control the willfulness of humans and creation. Original sin may explain not only laws governing sexuality, but this raging debate over abortion, which from my point of view isn't so much about babies as it is about the willfulness of women and their refusal to adhere to the God-given social order. It's about a woman's concupiscence, that is, her desire for pleasure, to touch and be touched. Now, Augustine's ideas conveniently aligned with the political aims of the ancient Roman Empire and continue to align with the interests of current empires. But there's always been resistance to this idea. Pelagius, who was a contemporary of Augustine, had quite a following that lasted seven centuries, but he actively countered this idea. And Jewish scholars before Augustine, during Augustine's time, and even after Augustine's time, continually reject the concept of original sin and this interpretation of Genesis 3. Today, numerous process theologians, like Matthew Fox, whose reading we heard, and activists like Adrian Marie Brown, also challenge this idea because they understand original sin as a tool for control and for oppression. Thus, they've encouraged people to engage in pleasure, physical pleasure, as a spiritual practice. Or, as Fox said in our reading, to savor creation as the original blessing. Indeed, pleasure is not guilty, but our birthright. Adrian Marie Brown said, what we pay attention to grows. So in the next few minutes, I invite you to settle into your bodies, wherever you are, here in this sanctuary or online, and pay attention to what you're feeling in your bodies. 
Allow yourself to feel the pleasure of your breath. Breathe in deeply, either through your nose or through your mouth. And imagine the oxygen that's in the air like bright little globes coming down deep, 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 deep into your lungs. And your heart is pumping and the blood is flowing through those little sacs at the end of your lungs, taking up the oxygen and taking out all of the carbon dioxide. Allow yourself to imagine and feel that oxygen flowing to every single part of your body, nurturing your body, giving it energy. Now, when I do this meditation, I often direct people to be aware of what's going on in their bodies and maybe discomfort. But in the next minute or so, I encourage you as you breathe in deeply to be aware of what feels good in your body. What feels good in your body right now? Is it just the oxygen flowing through? And that makes your muscles feel energized. What is feeling good in your body right now? Maybe check in with your arms. If you have a feather, if you took one of those feathers when you came in, feel free to maybe stroke your hand or your arm and feel what that feels like. If you're online and you don't have a feather, feel free to tap your arm, stroke your arm or your hand, whatever you're capable of doing. And feel the bounds of your skin. Feel its smoothness. Feel the touch of the feather if it, you have a feather upon your skin and how that feels how pleasant it feels, like being stroked, right? And as you feel the feather against your skin or the touch of your hands upon your skin, thank your skin. Thank your skin. It's one of the largest art organs you have. It protects you from so many outside threats. But it also allows you to experience the world. That breeze that's going on right now, if you were outside, you'd feel that on your skin and the hairs would rustle on your skin. And what a pleasurable thing that is. to end this little meditation shortly, but I just encourage you, if your eyes are closed and you slowly open them up and come back into this space, to do this on a regular basis. Every day, just sit there for a minute or two and feel your body, including the breath going into your body. Think of it as a way to thank your body, every part of your body, 
for this is the site of all spirituality and all religiosity. Now singing is a form of meditation, just like the meditation Robin and I have led you through a little bit, because it, fo it has focused breathing. I invite you now to join Tom and members of the choir in singing number 1009 in your hymnals, but the words will also be on the screen. This is the meditation on breathing. Now, the concept of original sin, as Adrian Marie Brown states, has very effectively leveraged control over all of us. By making our emotions and sensations less reliable than our thoughts. Now, if you felt a little bit of discomfort when I started speaking about pleasure, consider that you felt that way because our overall culture taught you to be suspicious of your emotions and your sensations. Consider how our culture has given pleasure a bad rap. All too often, pleasure is associated with excess and extremes, overeating, getting drunk or high, and of course, illicit sex. But let me reframe that a little bit. When people engage in extreme behavior, they're not necessarily seeking pleasure, so much as running from pain. They want to be numbed. They don't want to feel anything. But that isn't pleasure. <laughs> pleasure is all about feeling. It's about savoring, as Matthew Fox said. By savoring creation, which includes our bodies, many of the vices of our time might be lessened. To paraphrase Fox and his reading that we just heard, if we savored creation, we would be happier 
and more content. But happiness, happiness of people is not in the interest of those who have social, economic, religious, and political power. They're incentivized to keep those they rule not only physically and mentally miserable, but also dependent upon them. Because when people are miserable and afraid, they're more easily manipulated and controlled. You don't have to look far to witness the power of fear in our society today. Conspiracy theories abound on the internet and even are spread by mainstream news now. And the distrust they generate serves to keep people afraid and upset, disconnected from each other, disconnected from themselves. UU theologian and ethicist Sharon Welch describes Western culture as operating on the ethic of control. Now, according to the ethic of control, power over is the ultimate value. And domination is always the goal. That's the goal, domination. Now, Welch suggests a feminist ethic of risk to counter this ethic of control. Now, I agree with that recommendation. And I would add the ethic of care, which is outlined by ethicist Carol Gilligan. Under the ethic of care, power with is viewed as the ultimate value. And power with is power shared. And power shared is power multiplied. Accordingly, the health and welfare of all is the ultimate goal, not domination, the health and welfare of all. Because a society is more powerful when its members are happy, healthy, and empowered. A community of care operating on the ethic of care sounds a lot like beloved community to me. This past June, the Unitarian Universalist Association had its annual General Assembly. Maybe some of you attended. And one of the big topics of this year's General Assembly was revision of the Article 2 um, of the UUA bylaws. Now, Article 2 contains the seven principles that form this covenant between UU congregations like this one. Now, in the last nine years, more than 214 UU congregations have adopted an eighth principle. Now, this eighth principle recognizes as a central task of our congregations, and I quote, working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions, unquote. Now, regardless of whether a congregation has adopted the eighth principle, the majority of UU congregations are committed towards dismantling racism and other oppressions. We are. And in a sense, the eighth principle is a pleasure principle. Why? Well, I'll explain. Pleasure activist Adrian Marie Brown said, quote, 
We need to make justice one of the most pleasurable experiences we can have. In other words, we must center pleasure if we want to dismantle oppressions and build beloved community, a community of care. So maybe one of the first actions we can take is to recognize how each of us has been taught to ignore or doubt our feelings and retreat to our heads to avoid feeling. Now, there's certainly a place for critical thinking and justice work. I mean, I should know. <laughs> I practiced law for 13 years. But reconnecting to and savoring our bodies and creation is equally important in this work. In fact, I would bet that it's more critical to dismantling the internalized oppression as well as, as, well as externalized oppression in each of us. By savoring this world, we might just save it. By savoring this world, we just might save it. And as Matthew Fox said, we would be more in touch with our moral outrage because our love of life would increase so dramatically that we would become less and less tolerant of death forces. So go forth and practice pleasure as if your life and the lives of those you love depended upon it, because they do. Today is the second Sunday of the month, and it's customary for us to donate this offering to a nonprofit or group that does excellent work in our community and world. This Sunday, we'll be hearing from Roy Appletree about the work Prepare for Success does. Welcome, Roy. Well, welcome. It's indeed an honor and a pleasure to be here. Um, it's an honor on behalf of the students. Uh, uh, the second Sunday, coming from the nonprofit sector, is just an amazing tradition and part of a caring community. I must say that the service today brought back memories I had forgotten about many, many years ago, and that was in anticipation of school starting and grade school, middle school, um, we would take our bikes over to Pine Street. That's where we had uh, our soft serve was indeed Dairy Queen. We would go over to the Dairy Queen knowing the school was about to start and anticipating school, but it was our, that transition period um, that we knew school was about to start. Uh, there's a lot of folks anticipating school starting now. Uh, and now imagine that you're that student or the parent um, wondering if you could be able to send your child back to school, uh, really the, the term started, prepared for success. Uh, prepare for success is a 22 year old tradition here in Howard County. It was started in the faith community, but it is now a partnership with the Community Action Council and with the Howard County public school systems. It has a very simple mission, objective, whatever the proper word is, and that is to get backpacks and school supplies to students who need them to be able to return 
uh, to restart their education, which indeed happens this month, uh, this year. It's an all-volunteer effort, um, something that we've been involved in, uh, probably really more passionate about than it comes across as an educated bureaucrat here. Uh, but we, we enjoy being with all the other volunteers doing the work. Uh, the, it's really very basic. Um, and it's based on the fact that it amazes so many folks, probably not this congregation, that there's over 13,000 students, and this was pre-COVID, who are receiving free and reduced meals. Almost 25% of our school system here in the sixth richest county in the, in the uh, country. Uh, last year, we were able to serve over 3,500 students, uh, but there was a lot more demand uh, for that support. As I say, it's an all-volunteer effort. 100% of all donations um, go to either bulk purchase school supplies, or if we receive this donated supplies, go to students in Howard County. Um, and the supplies go to, or just go to either the schools or they go to certain non-profits, uh, whereas the professionals there who determine what family may be most in need. Um, and I will add this year, like everyone else here, we're hit by inflation in terms of, but really there's so many families out there hit by um, inflation and buying the school supplies. Um, so we've been receiving support from you all for well over a decade. Um, and as a caring community, um, we just look forward to, not we, the students look forward to your support. So thank you for all that you have done. Thank you so much, Roy, for coming to UUCC today and for all of the important work that you do. We are going to listen to some wonderful music from Tom again. And while we do, I invite you to take pleasure in being generous with your contributions uh, and the sharing of your abundance. There are going to be some instructions on the screen for donating, but you can also text CHALICE to 73256.
Thank you, Tom. Such beautiful music today. In addition to all the chaos that seems to be swirling around us, many of us are experiencing personal challenges, sorrows, and disappointments. But we're also experiencing joys, reasons to celebrate, and moments of pleasure. In the days, of com in the days to come, May you all lean into that pleasure and that joy, not in spite of the pain, but because of the pain. It's times like these that we need to find pleasure unabashedly. Savoring creation is fundamentally a radical act of resistance because pleasure energizes us and reminds us of what and who we love and what makes life worth living. Go now in peace and in pleasure to savor and thus save this wonderful world.
Now's the time for the extinguishing of our flame, our chalice flame. We extinguish this flame, but our joy will continue to shine even through the fog of uncertainty and nights of tears. For pleasure is our birthright and the source of our power. Go now in peace and pleasure. Flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel. River running free, you know how I feel. Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. Fly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean. Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world in a bold world for me. shine, you know how I feel, send all the pine, you know how I feel, oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new It's funny, but it's true 
It's the same, isn't it, for me? for 